Hello for the Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. I'm here with my research assistant, my lesser good-looking research assistant, Josh. <laughs> we got to. I, I think that's debatable show. by most, but we shall continue. What's that? I think that is debatable by most, but we shall continue. Okay. Well, okay. I guess it's debatable. We'll have to have another video where we open it up to the chat and ask them that question. And I notice you don't have a uh, green screen Jeff Snyder with you. No, he said he had to get back to work. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll give him a break there. What I want to discuss in this video is something that I think is extremely important. It's we see this slow motion train wreck that we've been talking about called China's economy. And there's no doubt that it is collapsing. I mean, They're experienced literally uh, deflation, uh, depression type of economics, if you want to look at it that, that way. And it's not just the real estate sector. Uh, this is the entire economy. But I don't think enough Americans are paying attention to this. They think, oh, it's just a China problem. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it's not just a China problem. It's a whole global financial system problem. Uh, let's get into it right now by shooting over to uh, Barron's, actually. And uh, let's check this out. They interviewed an expert, this gal that's, uh, uh, I think she was with Fitch. And now she's really sounding the alarm bells with China's debt problem and how this could spill over to the global economy. Now, I know a lot of you are, are saying, oh, George, all oh, your fear mongering, that's just clickbait and blah, blah, blah. Hey, don't listen to me. Listen to Barron's title, how China's debt problem could trigger a financial crisis. Their words, not mine. And this just came out today, August 28th. So as you can see, I actually am starting to utilize my new highlighter tool. I'm very excited about that. Really, we're, we're leveling up here on the Rebel Capitalist channel. <laughs> Sophistication at its finest. That's right. I, I'm really getting uh, into the technology. They say, but with a faltering economy and diminished confidence. So this is what I wanted to go over first, because everyone is thinking, oh, George, it's just Evergrande. It's just Country Garden. It's just the real estate market. Okay, fine. Well, first of all, the real estate market is 30% of the overall economy. But then they just kind of shrug it off as though the rest of the economy is doing fine. There's a nothing burger. This will just blow over. Th th that is, you know what this feels like to me? And I'm being completely honest right now. This feels very similar to when I first started doing videos on the Cerveza sickness. Now, for those of you who haven't followed my channel since the very beginning, I started doing those videos in January. I think it was right around January 20, 25th, right around there of 2020 saying, hey guys, this is a big red flag here. We need to pay attention to this Cerveza sickness thingy. And everyone was like, ah, I don't know, China, nah, no big deal. The market kept going up and up and up and up and up. And all of a sudden the stuff hits the fan, people realize what's going on. And then we go straight into March and the rest is history. You guys know how that played out. But for the first couple months, I was sitting there talking about this with my good buddies, Eric Townsend, over at Macro Voices, uh, Chris Martinson, and uh, Peak Prosperity. And uh, I was really getting a lot of information from them and just kind of thinking it through, just using common sense. And I'm like, whoa, 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 time out here. This could be a real big, this could be a really big deal. And then what happened is I kind of stayed at that level five. The market went from level one all the way up to level 10. And so that's the pendulum swung too far the other way. But getting back to this China story, to me, it, 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 it it has the same type of vibe, like the same feeling, like we're seeing this slow motion train wreck play out in front of our eyes. 
but people are like, yeah, just shrugging it off. Yeah, the, the American consumer is resilient. The unemployment rate is 3.5%. Nothing to see here. Move along. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, whoa, we've got the second largest economy on the planet Earth that is literally in a free fall right now. And you don't think this is going to impact the U.S. economy? You don't think this is going to possibly create a quote-unquote financial crisis? Their words, not mine. I mean, the, the, the answer is, I think the probability is very, very high. And, uh, you know, this could be kind of that black swan, if you will, that no one's really paying attention to, but is sitting there right in front of our eyes, just like the Cervasa sickness. And if you think I'm exaggerating, or if you think that Barron's is exaggerating, listen to this. The country's economic, quote unquote, recovery from three years of strict Cervasa sickness crackdowns and property internet uh, sectors appears to be losing momentum. Mo- losing momentum? What do you? Th- that's implying that it had momentum to begin with. As soon as they opened up, it was <laughs> Wiley Coyote right off the cliff. But should we expect anything else? Right? They did zero stimmy, zero PPP, which you could argue was was a better play long term. But the bottom line is they didn't do any of that, and they just locked everyone in a cage for three years, three years. And you expect the economy just to to shrug that off? Like nothing ever happened? Of course that's going to create an economic disaster. Of course that's going to create a collapse. I mean, let's just, now we t- we think about these restrictions or lockdowns. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, no big deal. I know lockdowns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, been there, done that. But if I would have told you in 2019, what would happen to China's economy or the U.S. economy if you just locked everyone in a cage, locked them in their house for three years? You would say that would make the Great Depression look like a picnic. That would be economic Armageddon. So why is it so outrageous that the exact same thing is happening right now in front of our eyes three years later when this is actually when they actually open up and have to, to bear the brunt of all of these policies that decimated their economy? Now, listen to this. Now we're getting into this highlighted section here. Uh, Now, I hope you're sitting down for this because what I used to say on my whiteboard videos is it's officially stiff drink time. And that would apply to this next sentence. The property sector, which holds 70% of Chinese households wealth, 70% is ailing. That's an understatement. Listen to this next sentence. Existing home prices slid 9% month over month. That... Did you hear that? I didn't say year over year. I said month over month. Just in the month of July, existing home prices in their quote-unquote big cities were down 9% in one month. I, I let that sink in for a moment. What, what would you be doing if, let's say, you live or wherever you live in the United States, assuming that you're a homeowner, what would you be doing right now if prices in your local area went down by almost 10% in one month. I mean, it's a rhetorical question. I'm not going to use profanity on this channel, but you would be, you'd be crapping your pants, to put it mildly, especially when you consider that's the majority of most people's net worth. To the point in China, in China where it's an extreme 70% of their net worth or their wealth. So this is the steepest decline in a decade. Well, I would hope so. I can't, I can't even, not even during the GFC did we see something like this. 
not even close. Almost 10% in a month. So now we get back to this gal. Her last name is Chu, a former Fitch ratings analyst. She's the one that's kind of waving the red flag here. Has become a go-to source for understanding China's opaque banking system and all things debt. We talked about whether the country is on the edge of a Lehman moment. Again, her words, not mine. And why she sees no easy fix to get China out of this predicament. And again, if China is having a Lehman moment, that ain't going to stay in China. You're going to feel the ripple of that across the entire global economy, including the United States. I mean, ask yourself this question. Did they feel the Lehman moment that we had in the United States in China back in 2008? Did they feel that in the UK? Did they feel that in Australia, Canada, Europe, etc.? Answer, yes. So if China has the exact same thing, you think we're not going to feel it? Especially when all of the stuff that we get I'm exaggerating, not all the stuff, but 90% of the stuff that you buy in the store, where is that made? It's made in China. You know, I mean, if you want to go into the, the uh, well, we'll just leave it at that. I want to go to, I don't want to go down a, a deep rabbit hole here because we've got more to talk about in this specific article, which is fantastic, by the way. So this gal's name is Char- Charlene Chu. She says the macroeconomic climate is much worse than it's ever been since reforming and opening in the 1970s. That's a bold statement. It's worse than it's been since the 1970s. Keep in mind, this includes the collapse of the Soviet Union or, or for that matter, the collapse of communism as the world knew it back in the late 80s, early 90s. It's not just a one issue like the collapse of the activity in the property sector. That's the point I've been trying to make here or one of the many points. We have a cyclical and structural problem with weak exports, a confidence problem and local governments, which were an important contributor for growth in the past, were told to borrow money, prop up the economy. Now they're not doing that. Okay, so this makes a lot of sense. So if your government locked you in a cage and literally welded the door shut for three years, I think you might have a little bit of a confidence problem. I would not trust that person. I would not trust that government. I don't think any of you would either. And the Chinese ain't that different. So the fact that they're not trusting their local governments... That makes a lot of sense. They have a confidence problem. Again, makes a lot of sense. And then as far as this structural problem, let's think this through. If if exports are weak, what does that tell you? You, you think that, that China, they're just not exporting things because they don't want to? Because they can't get the workers or they can't get the, the factory lights to turn on? They can't make any of these widgets? No. The reason exports are weak is because no one's buying anything. So this is just as much of a reflection on the U.S. economy as it is the Chinese economy. And the less we buy here, and keep in mind, we've been talking about the student loan uh, debt, how they're going to have to start making those payments. We've talked about all these factors that are creating this perfect storm for aggregate demand in the United States to collapse, to fall off a cliff. So how is that going to impact China's exports? It's going to make it even worse Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate and 
Brent Johnson with Macroeconomics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Keep in mind here, at the end of this article, I'm going to go ahead and connect the dots and let you and help you hopefully understand why this isn't just a China problem. I did a whiteboard on this earlier this morning, and it'll be out later this week. Okay, so I think that's all I have highlighted here. I mean, look at this. This is staggering. This purple line represents broad credit growth, and the gold line represents nominal GDP. Look at the delta. I mean, this is an economy. We think our economy is built on debt. Holy cow. This this whole thing is sitting on a, a house of cards where the it's just all debt driven. Wow, look at that chart. So they ask if China is headed towards own version of Japan lost decade. Uh yeah, it's exactly what it looks like to me. So now let's go ahead and connect some dots here. What created at it, at its core? What created the GFC number 1? I think we talked about this yesterday. It was the lack of circulation of dollars. Dollars, the global reserve currency, it's still, regardless of what's going on with the BRICS and whatnot, it's still used for 60 to 70% of settlement for the global economy. And this is a global economy that's running at 110 billion or 110 trillion roughly per year. So what happens is all of these entities out there, they have dollar liquidity needs just for running their business. I mean, you think of your own personal situation and you say, well, George, I don't need that much debt. So why does the global economy look, it's different when you're running a business, you have liquidity needs. And that doesn't mean that you've got a bad business. It just means that as you grow, as you scale in order to continue to produce more and more goods and services, you need to borrow some money. that's for productive uses that you pay back. And sometimes you have to roll over that debt and you have to continue to do so because you've got a balloon payment every two or three years. That's just how this commercial debt works. So the GFC, what, what, what took a real estate problem and turned it into a global financial crisis was that real estate problem kind of ballooned into something that impacted the bank's willingness to extend dollar liquidity. In other words, the amount of dollars that were circulating, maybe not the amount of dollars in total, but the amount of dollars that were actually circulating in the global economy comes to a stop, comes to a halt. And when that velocity shrinks, maybe not goes to zero, but shrinks, that means bankruptcies. That means everyone's going bust. And then you just have this domino effect. So that that's the contagion. That's the systemic risk that we're talking about here. In the United States, it was the real estate that blew up, that blew up the banking system, the financial system, which resulted in dollars, a shortage of dollars circulating. Okay, now let's go to today with China. They have, last time I checked, 207 billion roughly, just the real estate entities in dollar-denominated debt. They probably have, who knows, the whole country, let's call it 5 trillion in debt. 
Okay, so now they have to make these payments. They're not going to be able to make them. So the euro dollar market that provides that dollar liquidity, what are they going to do? Well, a lot of these banks will go bust. I don't think that Credit Suisse is the last one, that's for sure. So then there's fewer dollar providers, right? So the net result is the exact same as we had in the GFC. We have a shortage of dollars that are circulating because the banks are the ones that provide these dollars to begin with. That, that's what we have to really get our head around. And oh, by the way, what's Jerome Powell doing? Raising rates. So that makes the debt burden even higher. So then what happens? Well, all these entities across the globe, they might not have dollars on their balance sheet, but they have another currency. So they sell that currency to buy dollars. That makes the dollar value relative to other currencies go up, which makes the debt burden even more cumbersome. So you've got the dollar going up. I think it's at 103, 104 lately. You've got interest rates going up. And then you've got a risk premium on top of that because all because the world's second largest economy is collapsing. If you were a bank, would you be issuing loans right now? Absolutely not. The only loans that you would be issuing are the ones that are guaranteed by the government, the ones that you could get off your balance sheet immediately. Well, who's going to come and bail out one of these banks in the euro dollar system? That would be nobody. Remember, these banks operate with no bank reserves, no green pieces of paper. So the perceived counterparty risk in the system is going to impact their decision-making far more than it is with, like, let's say, J.P. Morgan or Wells Fargo domestically in the United States. But what they're doing domestically doesn't matter. That doesn't impact all of these other entities that rely on the euro-dollar market for this global liquidity which could see a massive tightening, a massive credit crunch, if you will, as a result of what is happening right now with China. I mean, I see it as clear as day. And if you actually think it through, I, I don't know how you can argue that it doesn't make sense. And that every single time we see one of these articles come out about China, 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 especially ones that talk about the real estate market going down by 10% in one month, I don't see how you don't come to the conclusion that the probability is increasing exponentially that this turns into another GFC, a GFC 2.0. And again, to me, it makes it, it feels exactly like the Cerveza sickness when I was talking about that in January of 2020. Hopefully I'm wrong, for heaven's sakes, but this does not look good. All right, guys, we'll have to continue to follow this story. Again, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I've got a feeling that China and their economy is going to be a bigger part of the news cycle over the next few months. And, you know, we're always looking at what is causing the yield curve to invert. Uh, this could be it. This could be it. I think the good news looking at the glass half full is I don't see how uh, they would go into Taiwan or try to provoke a World War III type of situation with their economy collapsing. I mean, think about the GFC. That would be like the United States during 2008 or 2009 trying to start a war with any other entity, you know, like, like China or, you know, pick them, India, Russia. That probably wasn't going to happen because we got bigger fish to fry domestically. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, that, that's the good news in all this. Josh, you got anything to add, buddy? I don't know. Uh, don't they always say that they like you could start a war because everything gets so bad you have to distract the society to unite them? Well, that's true too. That's absolutely true. That there's no better way for a politician to become more popular than to start a war. 
I mean, we, we kind of see it over and over and over again. So I guess that's the counter argument. I think it depends on how bad it gets, right? I mean, if, if they just go into a recession, then yeah, I think the probability would be higher that they would try to kind of put, be more aggressive to take people's mind off of the recession, the booming unemployment rate and gain political favor. But if they go into an all out economic depression, which is what it looks like, I, I don't even think that works then. You know, I, I think th th they got to focus on what's happening at home because, boy, we're talking about the youth unemployment rate going up to 21% and how they're not even reporting that number anymore. I, I mean, look, real estate, 70% of the net worth, and it's gone down 10% in the last 30 days or just in the month of July. Uh, I, I mean, I could see how the, the, the total unemployment rate would go up to 20%, especially when you consider that a large portion of those people employed are dependent on the United States and other countries buying their stuff. So if the United States goes into a recession, if we go into a global recession, then that's going to impact the uh, manufacturing base to an even more, uh, an even uh, greater degree. So yeah, I mean, I don't see why the whole their entire unemployment couldn't go up to 20%, which would take you right into the realm of the Great Depression in the United States in the 1930s, but just the Chinese version of that. All right, guys, we'll have to pay attention to this. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. We'll see you in the next video.